0: Uh, we're going to take a look at First Peter chapter 1 uh, this morning, looking at the verses that we just read a few moments ago, but want to do a quick inventory on uh, just kind of where you are spiritually. Is that okay? Is it okay if we do a quick inventory of where you are spiritually? Uh, we're going to do it anyways. Uh, here we go. I'm going to give you a couple scenarios, and you just kind of think through what your reaction is. Okay, the first one is that you are sitting at work, and it has been a grind at work. It has been a tough season at work, and you are just kind of worn out, and you are exhausted exhausted uh you take just a three minute break i promise it's just three minutes tell your boss it's just three minutes and you just click on and you just take a look at facebook just just three minutes you're just going to look for just a moment or two and as you're kind of scrolling down through there would you believe someone has posted these vacation pictures and I mean, these vacation pictures are the most beautiful vacation pictures you've ever seen. And what really, really gets you is that this isn't just any vacation that they're on while you're at work, but it is your vacation. It is the vacation that you've already dreamed about. It's, it's all the things that you've wanted to do. They are staying in the hotel that you have got a bookmark on your, on your computer to remind you this is the place that you want to go. So what's your response? In that kind of moment. Another time that you're trying to get ready for that vacation. And so you're trying to eat really well. And be really careful with what you're eating. And, and all those things and doing really well. And you're, you're ordering one of, those, um, one of those wedges of lettuce. Uh, I've seen other people eat those. I have never. A we- you're eating one of those wedges of lettuce. And you're just pleased that you are being disciplined. You are staying on task on what you're supposed to do. And then all of a sudden you hear it a block and a half away those sizzling fajitas are coming down and they just weave around your table. It takes six different waiters to carry all the different parts of that fajita tray and they deliver it to the table right next to you and you look back at your little wedge uh, of lettuce. How you doing on that? You uh, Let's take another scenario that you are... Uh, That you're cutting the grass. It's rained a lot. It's hard to imagine that, but it's rained a lot. And and so you are out there and it's time to cut the grass. And you go out there and you get that push mower out there and you yank and you pull on that thing and you finally get it to go. There's this cloud of smoke that comes out of it. It putters and it makes all this kind of noise. But you are cutting the grass and you feel pretty good about the fact that you could have stayed in, you could have laid on the couch, but you got out here and you are cutting the grass and you are just pushing away on that push mower. And the amount of time that it took you to start that push mower, your neighbor comes out with that zero-turn mower. And I mean just vroom, zoom, zoom. And they are done while you are still just getting started. How are you doing with that? Now, here's a couple of ways in which you can process that. One, you can look at that and say, boy, am I happy for them. Boy, am I glad that they are having that vacation. Boy, I hope they really enjoy those fajitas. Uh, Boy, I'm really glad that they were able to spend that time that they would have spent push mowing their yard on other things. Boy, I'm really happy for them. Or you can look at those situations and say, man, I wish that was me. I wish that was me that was sitting there on that beach. I wish that was me that was constructing those fajitas. I wish it was me that was riding around. I mean, you can probably wear your work clothes, your, your, your dress clothes uh, to, to mow on that zero turn and go out to dinner as soon as you're done. And so, boy, I, I wish that was me. That did those kinds of things. We we have a tendency to look at those great things. And say, Boy, I wish that was was me. I'll confess. That here's a little picture of, of where I stand in terms of my spiritual life. Sometimes when I grill burgers on the back porch, I look forward to how great those burgers are going to taste but I also get a kick out of the fact that all of my neighbors are going to be smelling my burgers for the rest of the afternoon. And they're going to be jealous of it. And they're going to say, boy, I wish that was me. And you can almost see their noses kind of pushed through the fence in the backyard. (sighs) Boy, I wish that was me. Did you notice in this passage of scripture that in this passage of scripture, we can see that the noses of some amazing people are pushed through the fence of our lives. And there's an amazing group of people who look at us and say, Boy, I wish that was me. In fact, what we see here, and the first thing that I want you to notice, is that in Jesus, I am the envy of prophets and angels. In fact, let's, let's say that together. In Jesus, I am the envy of prophets and angels. Man, that is an amazing statement. But what this passage of scripture says here, beginning in verse 10, says concerning this salvation, this salvation that you have in Christ, the prophets have searched to find out about where this salvation was going to be and where it was going to come from. Now you have to understand the prophets are pretty big deal guys. They're kind of, they're the giants of the Bible. They have books of the Bible named after them. They are literally the spokespersons for God. And one of the things that God did inside of them is told them that there was a day that the Messiah was coming, that a rescuer was coming, that someone that was going to come and fix all of the broken things of this world, someone who was going to fix the sin problem that has kept us in bondage all of these times. And these prophets heard from the unction of God and the unction of the Spirit of God said, it's coming, it's coming. Now, one of the things that happens When we hear that something good is coming, that it's on its way, the first question that we ask is, when? 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 Let me get out my calendar. Let me get out my phone. Let me me open up an app here and, and let me mark down when this is coming. In fact, the passage of Scripture tells us that these prophets searched and inquired. The the word here that we have here is just not just this glancing around uh, for things, but I mean they are turning things upside down. It is as though they had a search warrant for the word of God and for the spirit of God and they wanted to search everywhere they can and say, when is this Messiah, this rescuer, this solver, this fixer, this one that's gonna remove all the sin in the world, when is this person going to arrive? Because I wanna be there on the front row. I wanna have a, a seat at the 50 yard line. I wanna be there when it happens and what each and every one of these giants of the Old Testament discovered is not now and not yet and not you because what the prophets discovered and what Peter announced is that all of those things that they hungered for all of those things that they looked for all of those things that they ached for were coming for another generation And Peter says, you are that generation. These prophets ached to see it. They searched everywhere. When is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? And they discovered that what they were prophesying for was not for themselves, not for their generation, but their ministry was for you. You are the ones that have the whole story. You are the ones who live on this side of Jesus where all of that information, all of that finished work, all of that rescuing, all of that Redeemer has been done in Jesus and we live on this side of the completed story. Those prophets ached to hear that and experience that. Did you notice the last phrase there in verse 12? The last phrase... That not only did the prophets look forward to this and say, Well, I wish it was now. I I, I wish I could see that. But it wasn't for them. But here at the end of verse 12 it says, And the angels long to look at these things. Hear this. Those very beings that this hour, this moment, are in the very throne room of God, long and ache, To see what God is doing here in this place. They long and ache. They are peering over that fence. Because they want to see here. What is happening. Because here is the place where Jesus is rescuing. Here is the place that Jesus is redeeming. Here is the place where Jesus is fixing the broken things. Here is the place where Jesus is forgiving. And wiping out our debt. And our bondage. So that we are no longer slaves. And the angels. They want to look. And they want to see where the action is. It would be as though you went to your seven-year-old's coach pitch uh, baseball game. Is that right? Seven-year-old's still coach pitch? All right, good. Seven-year-old coach pitch baseball game. And all of a sudden, you look out in the stands, and the entire New York Yankees team has skipped their game today because they wanted to watch your kids fast pitch or coach pitch baseball game why because they 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 believe this is where the action was this is where the real baseball was being played listen the prophets ached to live in the day that you live in the angels who live at the throne room of God peek out over heaven because they want to see the redeeming rescuing forgiving work that Jesus is doing in this place because this is where the action is happening you are the envy of the prophets and the angels it's an amazing thing to think about now with that in mind the passage says now therefore and in the next statement here, in, in, in number two here, we discovered that in Jesus, I am compelled to take my walk and my life seriously. Let's read that together. In Jesus, I am compelled to take my walk and my life seriously see here's the setup that Peter has given to us he has told us about this amazing thing the prophets ached for it the angels look over the fence of heaven to see it and we have it because we are that blessed because we live in the day and the age of the finished work of Jesus Christ with his redeeming and his rescuing and his fixing and his forgiving all of those things are ours you and I live in that day and that age and that experience But if that's the case, then sometimes we forget how profound and awesome and amazing that thing is. And so what we find here in verses 13 and 14 is this statement that says, Therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to the attention, brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. You see, what we need to do is that we need to make sure that we live differently because of the blessing that we have inside of our life. The phrase here is an interesting phrase. It says in verse 13, he says, preparing your minds for action. Preparing your minds for action. A pair of rays says, brace up your minds. In other words, what's coming is really, really big. Do some extra preparations and fortifying and some extra joices and all those kinds of things to make sure that your mind is ready for the big things that are coming. In fact, some of the old translations of the Bible use a, a phrase that I promise you, you didn't use in the last seven days. It says, gird up the loins of your mind. If you, if you use the phrase, gird up your loins, you, you need to come talk to me about that. Um, but what that's saying is back in the day when they would wear cloaks and tunics and they had hard work that they needed to do, they, they would pull up that cloak and that tunic and they would tuck it into their belt so that they could do the work. It's the same thing as tuck in your pants, roll up your sleeves. It is time to put your work gloves on. It is time to get to it. And he says, because you live in this day that they ache to see and the the angels peer over the fence of heaven to see, because that is true, tuck in your shirt, roll up your sleeves, put on your work gloves, fasten up your apron. Now, what is really interesting, it says, do that for your mind So that you may take these actions. It is a synchronizing of our mind and our activity. Gird up your mind so that you can take these actions. It says, being sober minded. Some of you work in places that are hard places. Some of you work in places that are dangerous places to work. You have some difficult things that you deal with, and I'm sure that there's signage wherever you go, walking into the workplace, coming out of the workplace. I'm sure that there's always a reminder, listen, have your head on straight. Don't show up here if you're not paying attention to what you're doing because you will get hurt. The people around you will get hurt. You need to show up sober-minded passage of scripture is telling us that in your life spiritually, you need to gird your mind, you need to fortify your mind for action, and you need to live sober-minded. It says in that sober-mindedness, look forward, look forward to the grace that you're going to receive in Christ. And it says, and don't, don't chase after the passions of your former ignorance. Now listen, it's not trying to call you a name here and say your former ignorance. It is just saying that before you knew, before you knew, don't chase after the same things that you used to chase after in your life. You see, we used to chase after all kinds of things before we knew Christ. We we used to chase after getting even. We used to chase after getting rich. We used to chase after getting famous. We ought to chase after getting waited on. We ought to chase that. We used to be chased after being. Um, uh, getting away with things, getting off the hook, all those kinds of things that we would chase after. He says, but that's before you knew. Your life is different in Jesus. Don't chase after the same things that you used to chase after. You see, Jesus changes our lives. And if we have the exact same bucket list for our life after Jesus that we had before Jesus, it means he hasn't really impacted our lives in the way that he should. You see, we need to take our faith and our walk seriously because we live in this incredibly blessed season where we have the finished work of Jesus in our lives. The passage says one more thing for us here, and that is that we, that we are to live different. Uh, In fact, let's look at it on the screen together here. It says, in Jesus, I am called to be different. Let's read that together. In Jesus, I am called to be different. Now, you noticed where that came from in the passage today. It it comes from the last sentence that we were called. It says that we are called to live holy. In fact, the passage of Scripture says you are to be holy because he is holy holy. Anybody feel any pressure on that passage? Anybody feel any difficulty that says, listen, here's your only assignment this week. Be perfect. Be morally pure. Don't get anything wrong all week. Oh, that's tough. Let's see if we can't understand that as clearly as we possibly can. The word holy We've attached to it this idea of moral perfection. And there's a reason for that. But literally, literally the word means set apart. And so what we may have here is a giant lump of modeling clay. And uh, let me just show you a little bit of what I can do with modeling clay. You want to see it again? Basically, I can make a lump. That's kind of what I'm good at. But the concept here is actually the idea of holiness is that sometime, for some reason, there is a part of the lump that is set aside and separated and said, this is different. In fact, that's the whole definition of literally what the word holy means It is that which is set apart. So you have the lump, and then you have which is set apart, and it's called holy. Now, as we apply that idea of being set apart, and it's one of the things that we say in this world that's set apart, that is different, that is other, that is separated, is that we say that God is holy. He's set apart. There's everything else in the universe, and then there's God. He's different. Now, as we know other things about God, we know his sinless perfection. And so that's the reason why we attached holiness to this idea of sinless perfection. But at its core, the word holy means set apart and different. And a lot of times when the Bible talks about holiness, what it is talking about is things that used to be part of the lump, but they're not part of the lump anymore. They've been set aside. In fact, we see this in the tabernacle. We see this in the temple where there are instruments. There are, are things that, that are, that they were regular things. But then they get set apart and they become holy. We see that even when we talk in terms of our giving at church. We talk about our tithe, our percentage as being holy. Because that percentage used to be part of the lump but we say, no, but, but a part of that is going to be set aside. And so the tithe, our giving, is holy. It belongs over here, and it's different. And what in 1 Peter chapter 1 is it's telling us is that God is holy. He is separate, and he is set apart. And what the passage of Scripture tells you is that God is separate. God is holy. And just like God is holy... He calls on you to be holy. You see, if you are in Christ, you're no longer part of the lump. You're set apart. You are holy. And your life should be attached to the holy, not to the lump. So he says, look to the grace that's going to be revealed to you in Jesus Christ, not to the passions of your former ignorance. The passions of your former ignorance, what is that? Say it with me. That's lump. It's lump. But instead he says the grace that's going to be revealed to you in Jesus Christ, what is that? That's holy. That's separate. In fact, this helps us understand a little bit better what, what the passage said in the opening two verses. He says, you are, you are exiles. You are sojourners in this world. You are strangers in this world. Why? Because you're not part of the lump. You're part of what's set apart and what's holy. Now, The more time that we spend with God, the closer we can get to his moral perfection. But it begins with being set apart and separate and different. And so what he calls on you, believer in Jesus Christ, is stop living as though you're part of the lump. And place your life with the things of God. Because you have been bought with a price. You are in Christ. And now you belong with what has been set apart and what is holy. And it's not because you got seven and a half of the commandments correct this week. It's because you are in Jesus, who is God, who is separate, who is what's holy. So we are called to be different. No longer the lump, but set apart. Maybe you could get that as a bumper sticker this week. I'm no longer the lump. I've been set apart. So what does this mean for us in this week? I want us to think about just a handful of things. I want us to go back to that idea of bracing up your mind for action. I want you to think about girding up the loins of your mind for action and I want you to just kind of take an inventory just you and God right now of what's coming this week what's a place in your life this week that you need to fortify your mind so that you'll be ready for action to live as though you were part of the holy and not the lump so let's walk through just a couple of things what's coming this week in terms of your work that you need to gird up your mind and your soul and your spirit so that at work you will be part of the holy and not the lump. Is there, is there something coming up that you can see on the radar? Let's, let's think about school. Are there some things that are unfolding on campus this week? Are there some things that are focusing in your circle of friends and relationships that you need to gird up your mind today so that you won't be part of the lump but you'll be part of the holy? because this is Mother's Day week, let's let's apply it to family. Is there something that is unfolding in your life? Is there a challenge? Is there an area, an issue in your life coming in terms of your family that you need to gird up your mind and your thinking so that what you choose and what you do won't be part of the lump, but it'll be part of the holy? And then let me ask a different question. You you may be here today, and the idea of the lump and the holy may be be interesting, but the question that you have in mind is, how do you know whether you're in the lump or in the holy? How do you know which side of the table that you're on? How does a person move from being the lump to the holy? You can't just say, I'm I'm not part of the lump anymore. What What does a person have to do to make the journey from lump to set apart? Here it is. The only way you can move from the lump to the holy is for God to move you. Now, the whole thing about religion religion is the list of all of the exercises that people have done to try to move themselves from the lump to the holy, and every single one of them fails. The only thing that moves you is that Jesus moves you, it's not how hard you try. It's not how close you come to perfect. It's not the things that you do for other people. It's not by perfecting your own mind, words, and actions. It is Jesus moves you. But that's what this whole passage has been about. is the salvation that we have in him. The salvation that we have in Christ. That's what the prophets long to look at. That's what the angels are peering over heaven to see is that Jesus moves you from here to here. So I would say to you this morning you might have just come because it made your mama happy that you came today. But accidentally you could hear the truth how you move from lump to holy. And that's as simple as this. Dear Jesus will you move me from where I was to where you want me to be? Will you move me from where I am to what only you can make me will you move me from being the lump to being a person who's set apart from you to the saving work of your son Jesus Christ now how long does that last man once you've been set apart once you've been set apart you've been set apart and you're holy And so what I would want to say in the deepest way that I possibly can today, if you've never made that move from the lump to the holy, man, today's the day you can do that. It's as simple as a conversation with him. Move me. Do for me what I can't do for myself. Let me pray for you.